We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show. My name. Well, I actually hang on. Let's go back. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show, the show where theology matters and scholarship counts. My name is Caleb Haig. With me, as always, Rob Van Hoff. Ha ha What up, Hoff? How's it going, brother? Ha 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 That's right. I'm enjoying, actually, this in my Torah resource mug. You yes, might I have think it. it's I have coffee. It too. Yes. Because it does make toffee, coffee taste better. It makes mm. tea taste better. But I'm enjoying right. water with just a little squirt of lime juice because I was out of lemon, fresh lemons. Weren't. But I had one of those little little green squeezy things with mm. lime juice mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. counteracting all the acidic, uh, acidic coffee I already drank this morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. Well, you know, I was going to change the the intro music to uh to reflect that it's May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Um however, uh I didn't want to get sued by Disney. A prophecy misread <laughs> may have been. <laughs> uh so now I was told by my by uh my father to take this down. Uh so it's not in the clips when we put it on YouTube. So I suppose I should talk about this first. I got a picture for those in Radio Land right now listening, I got a picture on my board, and how do I how do I describe this? Well, anyone who knows, uh, it's Adam Curry. Adam Curry is a, uh, I would say, a good-looking guy f- from the '80s. He's got. Uh, he looks familiar, but I just don't know. Was he on MTV? Yes, he was on MTV. As oh. a matter of fact, okay. uh, and uh, on the poster that I've made, it's got a pic- picture of Adam Curry. It says, "Thank you," and in the morning, Mister Curry. The reason I have it on my board is because he's the pod father. <laughs> I'm serious. He's the guy who invented podcasting. And so, as a thank you for, uh, you know, what we do here, which is podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What up and shalom to everybody in the uh, chat room. We got a good group in there. Man, we got a lot of people in the chat room today which is good to see. And uh, what up and shalom to everyone who has made this show possible. Uh, at our programming desk, we got Gary Springer, and he's actually helped us move this stream over, which is good. Am I coming out loud enough on the radio? Somebody tell me out there in Radio Land. Um, anyway, uh, so Gary Springer's at our uh, programming desk. Mark Randall is the guy who has uh, put up our chat room and our website and uh, then, actually, we're gaining producers as well. I don't know if our listening audience realizes this. You, too, can become a producer of this show. It's very easy. Uh, you can do one of – I mean, if you send us money, we will certainly tell, tell anyone that you're a producer. <laughs> uh, that's a joke. I'm so, uh, It's not a joke. I'll tell people you're a producer if you send us money, but I'm not actually telling you to send us money. Um, but you can become a producer very easily. Actually, last week, 
We had uh, someone in the chat room, uh, one of our new, newer listeners, Russ, Russell, Eric Russell. He uh, he is a audio visual dude, and uh, when I said that we didn't have enough. When I said that we didn't have enough music, he decided to start making us some clips to see if it would work. So he sent us a couple of things. Let's play a couple of these. This is what he sent us. Uh, now, I think uh, I said that I had found a bunch of clips. Uh, and so he made this for us. So many clips, so little time. <laughs> okay. And then, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then I said I needed something for, a good, for when I found a really good clip. He made this. You found a clip. <laughs> And then I wrote him and I was like, yeah, those are okay. That's kind of what I'm looking for. But I'm more looking for like, you know, like radio harmonies. Oh, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let's see. Let's see here. Hang on just a sec. Um, I'll have to find it. So anyway, um, Rob. Oh, here we go. Here it is. Uh, hang on. I'll open it like this. Here we go. Sorry about the technical difficulties here. Rob Caleb. <laughs> See now, I wish there was something on the end of that, like <laughs> no, 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 like another word, like Robin K, like Robin Caleb, the thirty sixth best best podcast in the world, or something like that, you know, or uh, I'm one it's of the a thir- Robin Caleb show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Eric listens to this, yes, uh, thank you. So and, and Eric so, has skills. He's, he's got, got skills. Sh- he's and, got short shorts. Uh, short. <laughs> what do you call it? He's got <laughs> that sounded funny. Yeah, he I does meant have short shorts. films. Yeah, short he, film yeah he does make very good short films. They call those shorts. Right? Yes. And actually, uh, and also, uh, so since since Eric has uh, created music for us, now I'm not going to say that we're going to use these all the time. Uh, we need to refine a little bit what we're, what, you know, what we're going to be using. However, uh, for show 123, Eric becomes one of our producers because he helped produce this show. Right on. So thank you to Eric Mr. Russell. ER. Yeah. We call him e- emergency room just for there, yes, ER. Exactly. Um, I just made that up, actually. Th- yes, I, I know you did. <laughs> uh, I got a, a couple of my own new clips. Uh, I got this one. I know words. I have the best words. <laughs> uh, that's Donald Trump. I know words. I have the best words. And then actually, did I you pulled... get anything of Glenn Beck saying that we need to fast or that, or that God had raised up Ted Cruz for this time no. or something? No. Yeah. Oh, there's some uh, Glenn Beck. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I got Obama saying no. No, 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 no. Hey. <laughs> okay. Now I, I already showed, I showed Rob this right before we came on. Should I show everybody this, that what I did with it? Well, so let's I, save it. I, let, I, let, well, no, pe- people aren't going to know what I'm, what we're talking about. So I took uh, Obama saying, no, 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 no. And uh, I put it to some music. No, 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 Thank you, thank you. Those are my those are my audio it's, production. It's like skills. a drunk guy in the back of the room like, trying try to sing along with the, with the performer. Hey. Oh, it's like karaoke at a bar. Oh man. Okay, okay. Enough fun. Um, okay. So, well, let's see here. Which direction should we go? I suppose you want to. You just want to. You just want to go out with a. You want to start with a with a bang and just do our our uh, your your segment here. Your opening segment. Let's do it. It's, it's Rob's 
Is show number one, two, three. That's right. right. There's a, that's a mystery in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but we have some some words here. Ironically, with the May the Fourth Star Wars. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, did you just say that you have some words? I know words. I have the best words. <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> with our Star Wars theme is <laughs> milchama, the word for war. Oh, there we go. Milchama. Adds yes. up to one, two, three. So that fits with our May the 4th theme. But also we have Am Echad, one people. Yeah. Am Echad. That'll go, well, that'll go well with, with uh, <laughs> what's coming next. Keep going. Well, yeah, Yeshua feeds his flock. You know, yeah. he separates the wheat from the chaff. One people, Am Echad. Eliyahu Hanavi Ba. That means Elijah the prophet, prophet comes. comes. Yeah. Yeah. Adds up to one, two, three. You tell me go. what that means. There we go. And then finally... Tov, yod lechol. So Tov Adonai lechol. That's the Lord is good to all. That's true. That's, that, that's our gematria of one, two, three. One, two, three. There it is, people. You're a legend in your own mind. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Loud mouth and the love. I know words. I have the best words. Okay. Okay. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, time to, uh, you know, time to get on to some, some more intense matters. So uh, let's, before we go on to the obvious elephant in the room, let's, uh, we got a YouTube comment. This from someone named Josh. Okay. Now, this is on our Rico Cortez and Evangelism clip that I put on YouTube. Now, uh, if for those who might not know, um, we had a clip about Rico Cortez. He says that he would not evangelize in Israel and his ministry would never evangelize in Israel. We basically said, what, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, you, uh, you know, you should always share the gospel. I don't, you know, what does this even mean? So uh, this person named Josh writes in, he says, if we were to take a poll of messianics in all different walks, you may be surprised to hear the difference in what we consider, quote, the gospel. Thus, the statement that we needing that we needing to teach or speak of the gospel is Christian vomit for the most part. Messianics claim Mashiach in, is the living Torah, but they but yet say Jews don't have him. If Jews don't have him, it is because of the Christian vomit that is spoken to them. Just scroll through YouTube for interview of why Jews don't believe Yeshua is Mashiach, and it soon becomes pretty clear who the problem is, and it is not Rico. I would like to see the stats on whether Christian evangelism has more to help or hinder Jews learning and moving in the true gospel that Mashiach himself proclaimed. I don't think he, Mashiach, was running around saying, I'm going to die so you can be free to live as you like. And for the most part, this is the general message being conveyed, the evangelism. I, I, there's a typo there. And based on your argument, you are for this. Because I don't see you doing shows addressing this problem at the root, but instead find it more profitable to attack someone who is trying a different approach. 
Um, so the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, while the Messianic movement might have all different ideas of what the gospel is, the, the word itself uh, does not. There's one truth of what the gospel is. We can find it in the word of God. And so it doesn't matter um, what various Messianics say the gospel is. We need to turn to the Word. This is something that I—I I mean, why is this so hard for people to understand? And the, and, the, and the Bible, the apostolic writings, certainly don't teach do whatever you want. No, of course not. So— well, Sanctification unto God comes to, through the Torah. That, and, and, we, and we have—I mean, we've done show after show on this. I, I'm, so I think that Josh might not uh, be a full-time listener. But even, an, even, even a, you know, whatever you want to call a Christian evangelical— isn't going to say you can do whatever you want. No, of course not. Yeah, so, that, so that's the, a little bit, that's yeah, a straw man kind of thing. Very straw man argument. And, you know, people do this all the time who are in the Messianic movement, unfortunately. I think that it's kind of a, I think it's a shame when people ba- come forward and say, oh, the Christian church has got it all wrong. They're, they say you can do whatever you want. Uh, it says who? What evangelical are you talking to? You know, look, my uncle now, I disagree with my uncle on, the, on uh, the Torah and whatnot, but my uncle is a great pastor. He is really good uh, at, his, at, at being a pastor, as was his father, my grandfather, as his brother is my father. Um, it, it, you know, they're, they're, they're good at what they do. They're, they're good preachers. My uncle is, is, the, uh, is the head pastor of a non-denominational Christian church. Actually, it's a Baptist church. I apologize. It's not non-denominational. It's Baptist. Um, and if you talk to my uncle, he's going to tell you very specifically that we find the way to live in the, in the, in the Word of God. Now, granted, he's going to tell you that you don't have to keep kosher and you don't have to keep the festivals um, and you don't have to keep the Sabbath. So three main things I think are very important. But, you know, my uncle being a Baptist pastor is never going to tell you, oh, you can just do whatever you want. That's not – yeah, that's totally untrue. So, I, I, you know, I disagree with this. And not only that, but the idea that, the, that the, the gospel is different depending on who you talk to. The gospel is not different. Um, it might be different to the people you talk to, but it's not different in the scriptures. We see the true gospel in the scriptures. So, anything else on that? Sounds good. No. Nope. Okay. Well, I'd have to just say to that one. <laughs> That's okay. the sound we need. Okay. So, you know, we, we have just gotten uh, just pummeled, pummeled recently in the past couple of days with uh, emails and people telling us that we are horrible people. And Rob has not seen any of this. He stayed off the the Facebook. I don't. Even, we should. What we should rename Facebook the dumpster because <laughs> it is where you go theological dumpster diving. Um. However, uh. So obviously, last week we we talked about it's actually Shapiro. We talked about Jewish Voice, and we talked about uh, Dr. Michael Brown and their endorsement of Return of the Kosher Pig. Now, for those who might not know, uh, Rob wrote a eleven page article which is dynamite looks very specifically uh, in-depth. You need to be careful because it will literally explode if you don't <laughs> handle it correctly. Yes, exactly. It's like dynamite. Um, no. Uh, Rob wrote a very in-depth scholarly review of Return of the Kosher Pig. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, I got a, a text message from someone that said, well, you've definitely hit a nerve. 
and uh, they sent a screenshot of Itzhak Shapira's Facebook page. I thought, okay, he's he's uh, you know he's talking about Rob's review. This is upsetting him. Whatever, whatever. You know, let's go check it out. Uh, quite the contrary. In fact, Rob's review is very low on the list of things to talk about. In fact, the main topic is me, Caleb Hegg. I, I'm honored that uh, I am such a heavy topic of conversation over there on Itzhak Shapira's wall. Why did he suddenly want to talk about you again? Okay, now let's read his post. By the way, this is thank you. I, I have to th- thank Itzhak Shapira for this because he has solidified. There's a lot of people who have said I've been wrong about what Itzhak Shapira. Actually, let's play this clip first, by the way, and let's get this out of the way. I know that we've talked about this a lot. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to hit this too much. I can't believe we already discussed this. But, uh, so for those who say that, that Itzhak Shapira has not said that Metatron and Yeshua are the same, this from Itzhak Shapira in 2011. That he's talking about, and, and, and he says absolutely yes, he's talking about Yeshua, the same, the same Yeshua uh, that, that, uh, that, uh, we read about in the Brit HaChadashah, according to him. He mentioned the second thing in this prayer. He mentioned the, the name Yeshua, Sarapanim, and Metatron as being, in essence, the same one. Well, let's take it backwards to show you the connection between Metatron to the Messiah, to the Nar. Let's start at the beginning. If we turn to Chagigah in the Talmud, the 13 chapters, we read those words by Rabbi Ishmael. It says, Rabbi Ishmael stated... Speak to me, Metatron, Sar Apanim. So here the rabbi, he's make a connection. He called Metatron. He called him by another name, Sar Apanim. Okay? It's interesting that also in Rosh Hashanah, one of the prayers in Rosh Hashanah start with the words Yehir Ratzon because Biglal Metatron. We say, let it be your will because of Metatron. Well, let, let, let's ask the logical question. If Metatron is really truly not defi- divine in nature, why would he say, let it be your will, Yehiratzon, in the name of Metatron? We are, uh, we are not Catholics, that's for sure. And there is no other sin in Judaism, a greater sin than, than, than have an idol worshipping. So in essence, we, when we pray those prayers, there are one or two things possible. It's either that Metatron have the authority of the mighty one of Israel in essence to even forgive sins or he is part of Hashem himself and nothing else really makes sense in the context of these uh, prayers that our sages wrote. Okay, so for those who might think, okay, well, you know, uh, so what? He's saying that the Jews say this prayer. Well, he says that we say this prayer, first of all, this is from Insak Shapira's post. <coughs> well, wait, wait, just a second. Yes, go back. I, I, just a little note. Did he say the 13th chapter of Chagigah? I, back at the beginning? Could you just play just the first like, that five seconds? That he's talking about. And, and, and he says absolutely yes. He's talking about Yeshua, the same, the same Yeshua uh, that, that, uh, that uh, we read about in the Brit HaChadashah, according to him. He mentioned the second thing in this prayer. He mentioned the, the name Yeshua, Sarapanim, and Metatron as being, in essence, the same one. Well, let's take it backwards to show you the connection between Metatron to the Messiah, to the Nar. 
let's start at the beginning. If we turn to Chagigah in the Talmud, the 13 chapters. We yes, thir- yeah, okay. Yeah, there's, no, it's not chapters. Those, it's, it's, thir- it's page 13, Duff 13, not chapters. There's only three chapters in, in uh, Chagigah. I don't know what he's talking about. I, I, anyway, just, I, I thought I misheard that, but no, he's... That was just a, Adam, uh, Adam asks in the chat room, did he just say Metatron forgives sin? Yes, that's, that's what he said, because he believes that Metatron and Yeshua are one and the same. He believes Metatron's the same, yeah. Okay, so this from Itzhak Shapira's uh, Facebook post two days ago. And uh, so I didn't pull a lot of this because I didn't, you know, uh, he's got 46 comments. He's got way, probably 100 responses to comments, people discussing. Um, And they basically all are, okay, anyway, so this is what he posts. He says, I hate to report it, but we must protect our audience. There is this individual names, and then he, he, now, okay, I understand that uh, English is not Mr. Shapiro's first language. That's fine. But I would just say that he's using quote marks inappropriately here because he puts my name in quote marks. What, as if I'm not really Caleb Hegg? The in, individual named Caleb Hegg, quote Caleb Hegg, who continues to make crazy videos to grab attentions claiming that I teach false gospel as he continues to attack the return of the kosher pig and me. Now he is attacking my friends at Jewish Voice. Oh, and yeah, he quotes, he puts that in quote marks too, Jewish Voice. Um, so first of all, he, keep in mind now, this is his problem with, with uh, what's been going on. He, he doesn't care that you wrote a review, an 11-page review. He's not going to respond to that. He cares about our video about Jewish voice. That's his, that's his beef right now. Part of me wants to respond to this kid who doesn't have the slightest clue on Judaism, but part of me just doesn't want to respond to give him an audi- and audience uh, as he does not know the Aleph bet of Judaism. Yeah. Rest assured that we don't promote false gospel, this kid desperately looking to launch his internet ministry, and I honestly do not have any time. I'm going to stop right here. First of all, if I were trying to launch an internet ministry, or if I was trying to be some kind of high-profile teacher in Messianic Judaism, this would not be the way to do it. To attack a high-profile Messianic leader would not be the way to do it, because all I'm getting is basically bad press at this point. I, he's, got, he's got like 200 people who have liked this post, okay? I've had five people respond, <laughs> respond to me uh, to a post that I made. Five. He's got, he's got like uh, 4,000 friends on Facebook. I got like 300. I, I, I'm, this is, cer- I mean, certainly if you... If you want to take notes on how not to become a well-known Messianic teacher in the Messianic faith, uh, just look at what I'm doing, because that's, that's a good checklist uh, of what not to do. So this, this idea that I'm just trying to uh, launch myself into fame in the Messianic world, uh, certainly not the way to do it. Okay? That's, uh, I, think, I think the fact that I've attacked him for promoting a false gospel proves that that's not what I'm trying to do. Well, I think what Shapira has in mind, is he looks at the world through ways to promote my ministry using the internet, and he sees you as a competitor, I guess. He's like, 
anyway, yeah. So, uh, once again, Adam, for the uh, for the win on this, Caleb Hag Ministries International coming soon to the internet. So we should just call it CHMI. We can have another alphabet group. Okay, there we go. Anyway, let's keep going. So he accuses me of just trying to launch my internet uh, ministry, apparently, which I don't need to do because I work for Torah Resource. Anyway, however, for him to attack my friends at Jewish Voice is simply shocking. Why? Why is that shocking? Does they, he know what did he? Does he know what was said? Well, he was. Uh, I. Here's what I think happened. I think because uh, <laughs> I wrote Jewish Voice back and said, "Look, I'm sorry. I reject you know what you've said, and uh, I'm going to continue to to speak out against your endorsement of this. And here's a video. Uh, that th- here's my last video. If you'd like to respond to it." And I sent them a link of the video. So I'm sure what happened was they sent your review and a link to that video. They probably just forwarded it on to Shapira. So he goes on. He says, I want to warn all of you from this individual and his friend. And he puts quotes around your name, Rob, as if that's not your real name. So No, I like that. I'd like to go with the quotes for a while. The quote? Okay. So if anybody, when you... When you address yeah. me, I want you. I want you to actually physically do the the quote marks. Okay, for those who can't see us, we're using quote marks around Rob. Now, I would like to warn our students at Yeshivat Shuva. Okay, now here I love this. Thank you so much for writing this. Why goyim who wear kippa on their head, who reject all rabbinic authority, think they know better than the Jewish people without knowledge of Judaism, Hebrew, and Torah? Paul warned us against that that when he said, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. I found the behavior of this kid to be shameful. My only question to Caleb, in quote marks, Caleb and his scholarly friend is simple. How many Jews souls have you brought to the kingdom of God? What a waste of time. My answer to to that is zero. I have brought zero Jewish souls to the kingdom. Only Yeshua does that. But uh, so the reason that I, I'm so happy about this quote here. Um, so I would like to warn the student why Goyim who wear kippah would reject rabbinical authority. I think what he's saying there is quite obvious. That we uh, that we accept sola scriptura, and that's actually what he says in one of his uh, in one of his comments. Okay, so um, once again, totally sidesteps the issue of uh, of Rob's article, the, the review. And I, my dad, I I sat my dad down and said, okay, this is what everybody's very upset about, and I played him the nine minute video of us talking about Jewish voice. And my dad said, well, what's wrong? (laughs) My dad goes, well, what's wrong with that? They endorsed a book that's teaching a false gospel. So why wouldn't we speak out against it? So, but uh, this is my, uh, this is probably one of the most interesting uh, comments. Um, (laughs) Anyway, there there were a lot of people who I've never met uh, who have a lot to say about me. Very, very interesting. My wife, my, my wife. Had some fun as well. Anyway, okay, so this person. Now, I want to say this. Uh, this is all in caps. 
the the lady had her she had her caps lock on. Netiquette or netiquette dictates that we do not type in all capital letters because the receiver interprets this as shouting. Yes. So this lady is apparently shouting at me or at whoever. She says, Rally! <laughs> Should I yell the whole thing? No, no, I, I, I won't won't. understand. Okay, okay. She says, so "Insert your own." Yeah, insert your own aggression. yelling. Okay, Rabbi, this guy is satanically possessed. Alert your prayer warriors. I will take night watch, twelve midnight to six a.m. Eastern daylight time. This is spiritual warfare. This Caleb is not even a Jew. He is demonically deceived with a python wicked spirit. I wonder if that's my spirit animal. Uh, and needs deliverance, then salvation and healing. So, okay, she says I need deliverance, and then I need salvation, and then I need healing. Have you reported him to your local police and then the FBI? yod Vavhe, God be with you in Yeshua's name. Yaffa Carter is her name. Um, hi, Yaffa. Hi, Yaffa. Thank you for the encouraging words. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, in response to people, now there's been s- several people that we know who have gotten on and said, hey, man, we understand that you disagree, speaking to Itzhak Shapira, uh, we, dis- we understand that you disagree, but maybe you could respond to Rob's article, or, you know, his review of your work. This is Itzhak Shapira's response to uh, if he would respond to Rob's review. He says, do you think that I honestly have the time to write a response to, quote, Rob, whoever he is. I have hundreds of students and busy with major global projects to bring Yeshua to my people. Do you really think that I care what Rob, quote Marks, has to say? Seriously. I feel like that we should insert here, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> He goes on, he can write whatever he chooses to with his 50 followers on Facebook. We will continue to do the work of Hashem as organization. Good day. What's that? Real quick, regarding the 50, was the 50 listeners thing in our opening segment? Yeah. Is that from him? Yeah. Too? Okay. I think he's being – okay. Cause I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it's how Shapiro one time said that our podcast has 50 listeners. To which I say that's being generous. We got thirty six, <laughs> and it's stuck at thirty. It's stuck at thirty six, and you know I don't under like if you're gonna if you're gonna try to blast us, at least blast us correctly. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna say we have twenty five, you can't have a higher view of us. Than, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't have a higher. Don't have a higher. Us. Yeah, don't have a higher view of us than we do. Okay, <laughs> that's not a slam. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a slam. You got to say something like they got twenty five listeners. Now that. Them, them, there are fighting words because no, you've got you've got eleven people that you have insulted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eleven people you're throwing under the bus here. Now uh, there it was, uh, there was one. Uh, now I, I honestly have been in prayer for this gentleman. I know him, um, and this is very, this is very disturbing to me, honestly. So Rob and I both know this gentleman. I, I'm not going to name names, but uh, what uh, perhaps was even more shocking to me is that he's talking to Itzhak Shapira here. He's saying that he has known us, that this is what we do. We attack. And then he also says that, you know, um, he, he has, uh, he's thought about leaving communities and all this kind of stuff because all the infighting and messianic groups. Um, but this is, he says this and Itzhak Shapira doesn't, doesn't respond to him at all. He says, I have 
I have grown toward understanding the roles we can see and have seen so much in regard to submitting to the rabbis of Orthodox Judaism. I feel I can be a humble servant as a Noahite, as in the Noahite laws. I see great importance in even remaining ambiguous about Messiah. I see value in remaining Geratoshav, and I see... That means a resident alien. And I see value in conversion, if it is the desire of one to be obedient in the way. To summarize, I see many parts to, to this body and know that Hashem will, will and does place us where we are to be. The part about being ambiguous about Messiah. If that's, if that's who I, I think it might be, he, uh, there was a similar teaching well, a, a parallel teaching that he had promoted on Facebook that, uh, I have to look it up in, in Matthew, where Yeshua says, uh, I think it's in Matthew 24. Why, why, while, you look, while you look for that, I would just like to say... <laughs> what, no, here, what oh, here's, here, let me just say, Matthew 24, 5, it says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will mislead many. Um. What he takes is that he, he doesn't understand that that's a quote, that many different people will come saying that they are the Messiah. They take it that Yeshua is saying, many are going to go and saying that Yeshua is the Messiah, and, he, and he's going to lead people astray. And so for that reason, you're not supposed to be vocal about who Messiah is. You're supposed to keep it quiet. And I said, no, you, you can't. That's not the way the language works. He's... It, um, that would be like, and the equivalent I told him, I said, that's like saying the Exodus 20, where Moses is t- talking to Israel, and he says, Elohim said, I am the Lord your God, that it's Moses saying, I am the Lord your God. <laughs> and I don't know how, but he's like, well, some, a Greek scholar told me this, that this is the proper way. And I'm like, well, who's the guy? Can you tell me who he is? I'd like to talk to him. Radio silence. Some Greek scholar somewhere in some blog said something. Um, and so this, I think this might be the same person who, yeah. Well, um, here's the one thing that I got from Itzhak Shapira's, uh, you know, from everyone on Itzhak Shapira's, uh, response, the, the overwhelming majority of people who are posting on Itzhak Shapira's, uh, comment section there are left-wing liberals because they think that disagreeing is offensive. You know the word nice is not in the Bible? <laughs> I looked, no, I was like looking, I'm like, because people like, be nice. I was looking, NASB, I looked in the ESV, I looked in the NIV, I looked in the Holman Christian Standard, looking for the word nice. The closest I found was, I think there's maybe one passage in the NIV that something nicely, and it's from the word tov, like good, I'm like, okay, so we're going to talk about good and evil. So when you say nice, are you saying tov, the way God calls things tov? You know, it, it, be nice. I don't know what, what biblical framework gives us instruction as to what that means. What does it look like to be nice? Does that mean let somebody run all over the world and publish junk about Yeshua? And, and it's in, in the Messianic World just, and it's touching just, people in your life, and you're not supposed to say anything about it. I just don't understand how people interpret Paul. 
and Yeshua. Yeshua calls the Pharisees whitewashed sepulchers. And Paul says that uh, anyone who preaches a uh, gospel other than the one that he's preaching is accursed. So, I mean, okay, isn't that horribly arrogant of Paul? Yeah, if if Shapiro doesn't want to engage my my short review after carefully reading his book, and I have a lot of other stuff I could have put out in there that I didn't, just to keep it short and try to keep it focused. If he that's it, that's foolishness. If he no, wants no, to no, go no, on, no, no, Rob, you're missing the point though. They, they the reason he doesn't want to respond is it's not it's not necessarily about you. It's that, and this is the funny thing is that that nine minute clip was you and me discussing Jewish voice and how they've endorsed this false gospel. And yet, for some reason, it's all everybody there is. It's about how I'm I'm possessed or I'm two house or how my father. I don't know how my father came into it. I guess because he runs to our resource, which, okay, fair enough. But, you know, it's all about how Tim Hag and Caleb Hag, these guys, all they do is attack, blah, blah, blah. So the whole focus has been brought, and I think this is a nice ploy by Shapira. This is a great ploy by Shapira. Take all the focus off of... Yeah, distraction. It's all distraction. He's, he's good at distracting people yeah, from t- the truth. That's exactly right. Take all the focus off of the real review that uh, basically put totally shames his book as being not good scholarship and puts it on to me being rude and mean. The problem with that is, is that first of all, I'm once again, I have never said anything about Itzhak Shapira personally. I'm sure he's, I'm sure when you're sitting around having a beer with the guy, he's just a lovely person. I, you know, I've never met him face to face. When I interacted with him before I called him out on having a false gospel, he seemed very cordial and nice. I don't have anything against Itzhak Shapira as a person. But his book clearly change is is preaching a false gospel, and he won't respond to it. He will not respond to that to that accusation. And to me, that means that he's he's sidestepping the issue, which is obvious by by the post on Facebook, because he doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, maybe we beat this uh, this with so a should we, well. Wait a minute. The the last comment about the individual about infighting. Yeah. Right, infighting. Um, you know, what we're dealing with is, is human nature. And I think this person, it, this person might be a little naive, naive as to the nature of the, how, how intense it can get between halakhically zealous Jewish groups between one another. Well, that's the other thing is that you got, in other words, it's like he, he, he imagines he's romanticized a notion of rabbinic authority and a rabbinic map of the world that seems to compel him with a greater sense of true shalom than he's finding in uh, in messianic circles, but you know, I think he needs to do the hard work. If this is the same individual, what's funny is that you got all these people in the me- it, it, that are coming out of the church and they enamored with all things Jewish, and they're like, "Oh, don't fight, don't be mean." Have you ever listened to two Jews debate? If you're enamored with all things Jewish, this is a, I mean, this is not mean. This is you should want the debate. I don't understand. Okay, anyway, let's move on. I got more. I got I got other stuff to talk okay, about let's, here. Let's hear it. Okay, well, first of all, I wanted to ask you about about your Passover. Did you now oh. first first of all, did you find any good foods that that uh, are a must have for the Passover week? <laughs> uh, cream cheese and locks <laughs> with your matzah. So my wife is gluten free. Yeah. 
we get this uh, Yehuda gluten-free matzah. Now, yeah, I know it. I know the, it well. the, uh, the Manischewitz gluten-free matzah is disgusting. However, the Yehuda uh, gluten-free matzah tastes like saltine crackers. Mm, that sounds like love. It, I don't know how that can be the bread of affliction. That's the that's the bread of mm, mm, good, um, yeah, and of of course chorosit. Now, but you know, Caleb, if you don't eat one of the five grains within, if your matzah is not made of one of the five grains, you haven't fulfilled your obligation. Oh, wait, hang on, I'm I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. Uh, <laughs> the, I'm sorry, I'm reading the comments. I'm distracted by the chat room. Uh, so, uh, some of, uh, Michael posts, here's what one guy says. Caleb is in his response says he has not attacked Rabbi Shapiro personally. Caleb Haig is not telling the truth. I think this, I know what, whose tone this is. Caleb Haig is lying. We have documented from his YouTube comments, Facebook comments, and instant message, Caleb name calling and attacking Rabbi Shapiro personally. Prove it. Prove it. I I haven't. No, I don't. That is untrue. Okay, um, so let's go on. This I think whoever sent this to me. This is great. Um, so this from Monty Judah. Now we're going to get to counting the Omer here in a few minutes. But this from Monty Judah. This was so good. I could not. I could not pass this up. Keep in mind when you're listening to this. Monty Judah has falsely prophesied. I believe on two separate occasions. Uh, the return of the Messiah, and the beginning of the uh, tribulation. Okay, and Monty Judah believes that the Book of Hebrews should not be in our Bible. He believes that it's a a false book that should be taken out of our Bible. So he's rejecting the canon. He's rejecting the sixty six books. He says that there should only be sixty five. Keep that in mind when you're listening to this. Here you go. In the days after Yeshua's resurrection, we read many of Paul's instructions, many of Peter's instructions, advising us as brethren, people who believe in the Messiah, to be careful because there's many people who are going to come and offer themselves with different instructions than the instructions that was given by God directly or given by God's appointed teachers, prophets, and so forth. And so it's an ongoing issue that we as a believing group of people, we have to be aware this is the atmosphere we're in. And not every person who walks up before the assembly and starts to speak of the Lord is necessarily been sent by the Lord, is necessarily speaking the truth that are supposed to be edifying to your soul. They may have another agenda. So I am announcing this Sabbath. I'm taking on all comers. You got, you got one of these controversial things that you want to teach, you contact me. I'll talk to you. And, and do mind that if you come in with something that's harebrained and half crazy out of the Scripture, I'm going to use the Scripture like what it's supposed to be as a sword, and I plan on cutting your head off. And I will teach you not to do that to the brethren anymore. And I will make you an example for other brethren so that they will fear to not listen to people like you and not be confused by people like you. So if you've got a problem with the deity of Yeshua, you come talk to me. I'll be happy to talk to you. You got confused about the new moon, the calendar, and so come talk to me. 
Don't go talk to other brethren. Come talk to me. You contact me. I'll take you on. Because I am someone who has led men to the Lord. I have discipled men in the Lord. I have built congregations. I have been anointed as an elder and as a teacher. And I am recognized as a teacher of the commandments of the Lord. And I have been trained by the Lord to deal with people like you. Now, I'm going to do it in love. If you're teachable, the Holy Spirit will work with me, with you. And I'll love you back into the flock. But if you're here for gain and you're here for your ego, that will become very clear. And I challenge the rest of my message. Okay, so I had to stop it there. Uh, This this from a guy who has not only falsely prophesied on numerous occasions, he teaches that uh, this guy has so many just out-to-lunch teachings. Says that the book of Hebrews shouldn't be in your Bible. Tells us that the tribulation is going to happen. And you need to go to the last place that, that uh, you had Sukkot for the greater exodus. What do you think? What should we do? Should we call him? <laughs> that, that would be great if we called him on air. Oh, we should do that. Somebody get Monty Judah's phone number. Let's call him and tell him that there's somebody in the Messian that we want to bring something before him. There's somebody in the Messianic movement who's teaching that the Book of Hebrews shouldn't be in their Bible. <laughs> oh, wow, man! Look, look at the look at the chat room. It has blown up with uh, different Passover recipes now <clears throat> on what to do with matzah. Stuff to save for next year, I suppose. Can I tell you this? Okay, so Adam brought this up. I suppose I should tell this story. Uh, so. Let me just tell you that the gluten-free Yehuda matzah bakes at a different rate than your Manischewitz matzah non-gluten-free. The reason why is because I put the regular matzah into the oven, butter, cinnamon, and sugar, okay? It was on broil. I put it in there, put the timer on two minutes, boom. Comes out beautiful. Cinnamon and sugar, butter, matzah. Delightful. Then what do I do? Gluten-free matzah. Same exact thing. Put it in there. Two minutes I put on the thing. I come back in two minutes. The matzah's on fire. (laughs) It's completely black. And now my whole house is filled with smoke. So I take that out back. I decide I'll do it again. Butter, cinnamon, sugar. Put it in there. One minute. I come back on fire. You you didn't think to actually watch it this time, (laughs) the second time? (laughs) My wife did it the third time. It it turned out beautiful. Okay. 30 (laughs) seconds. Uh, Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Okay. Uh, Let's move on. So uh, we got uh, the the huge, uh, the huge controversy, and this is really only within the Messianic movement, right? Huge controversy on counting the Omer. Um, hang on just a second. Let me see here. Do I have the show notes for today? Did I already delete our show notes? I think I did. Um, well, okay. Hang on just a second. Our show's almost over. (laughs) Our show can go as long as we want it to go. Torresource. You call us. 
Um, what I'm doing is – so how do you count the Omer? One, no, two. what I mean – okay, so here's <clears> – <throat> let's get into it. Leviticus uh, 23.15, you shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. This is the, this is the controversial phrase right here. From the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. Okay, so it seems here like this could be several things. Traditionally, what happens is the Sabbath of the Passover. So the first day, which is the Passover, uh, which is uh, Nisan 15, that's a Sabbath. And then the, the last day, the seventh day, is also a Sabbath. Okay? And then, so the question is, is it one of those Sabbaths? And then there's also usually a weekly Sabbath somewhere in between there. Let's listen to how some of these people count this. So this guy, um, actually, let me get out my list here. I'm sorry I sound so unready here. And from YouTube, personal. That's our style. Prophetic Holy Feast. Okay, this from a YouTube channel. When, during Passover, did we read... By the way, I should say, I think this guy's got some kind of a African, uh, maybe, accent. It might be a speech impediment, but I think it's an accent. So just keep that in mind. When, during Passover, did we read from scriptures, was the first fruits to be waved by the priest on the day after the Sabbath? There is some confusion about this set time in our day, so we will devote some time to this question. Many people today think this to mean after the 15th of Aviv, which is a holy day, a day on which no work is to be done. But scriptures differentiates between holy days and the holy Sabbath day. For this, we need to go to the Hebrew text. I thought Sabbath you'd have fun with this, Rob. written in the Hebrew with a sheen, a bet, and a tav. This is the same word used for the Sabbath at creation and the word used when Yahweh reminds us to keep the Sabbath as a token of his covenant. This word is always used for the seventh day of the week. The 15th of Aviv, as mentioned, is one of the holy days in scriptures, but it is not the Sabbath. The word for feast is Chag, a Chet and a Gimel. And for a holy gathering, it is the word Mikra, a Mem, a Kof, a Resh, and an Aleph. Thus, Scriptures is not instructing us to start the counting of 50 from after the holy feast of the 15th. The command is to begin after the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Okay. Can we pause? Yeah, that's I it. That's, that, that's, that's the whole I, thing. That was kind of hypnotizing. That it was like a clarinet or something. <laughs> Rob's, listen, like, Rob's listening to the music instead <laughs> of what the guy's saying. Well, I just, I was trying to follow. So he's saying, um, he's saying we need to count according to basically the Sadducean calendar. No, right? he's no, 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 he's no, not? nope. He's he's actually taking the Qumran calendar or the Qumran calendar, which is. Isn't that the same as the Sadducean? No, the Sadducean says that it falls on the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath during the week. This guy's saying the seventh Sabbath, which means 
which is the last Sabbath of the festival, the seventh day. Oh, that that's where he's going to go with that. Yeah, and actually, oh, wow. and actually, he's not the only one. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. Here's somebody else that you might know well. Now, when did the harvest of the barley take place? Where did all this rehearsal happen? It's impossible to do it now. Because now what we have on the 14th day of the month, on the 14th day, the Passover lamb is sacrificed tomorrow afternoon. Then the priest will go over and just shock together 10 standing shocks of our lamb. And then when the sun set, it's the high Sabbath. See, now are we going to harvest, winnow, parch, grind, bake into loaves all night long? We're supposed to be eating the Passover lamb. It's going to happen all night long. We're not going to be working all night long for something that can transpire at the end of that week after the Who's weekly this? Sabbath. Who do you think it is? Now, I don't know. Someone, someone, really? someone said, is that rude? Yeah, of course. We got it oh, in the okay. chat room. They picked oh, someone, it out yeah. instantly. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Hang on. Let's keep, go- let's keep going. Hey, well, you know, aren't we supposed to, dur- during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, aren't we, you know, we're not supposed to eat leaven with it. Well, let's look at it. Let's say that it happens the next week, okay? At the end of this period of time, the seventh day is also going to be Sunday, correct? Excuse me, it's going to be Shabbat. And so at the end of Shabbat, we now cut the barley, and we process it through the night and present it the next morning. Where did leaven all of a sudden come into the picture? We haven't had leaven in the land for seven days. Leaven doesn't just magically appear at sunset at the end of the Sabbath. You know, you've got to have time to let leaven be leaven. You know, it takes a couple of days. Okay, so I think there are so many problems with this. First of all, I think uh, he's saying he also is taking the Qumran counting that that uh, you start counting the Omer the day. So the day after the, the seventh day of. So basically, when the festival of unleavened bread ends, that's when you do it. The re- and the reason that he gives is that uh, is. I think what he's doing is he's taking Deuteronomy 16, 9 through 10. At literally, you shall count seven weeks for yourself. You shall begin to count seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks of the Lord, your God, with a tribute of free, uh, free will offering of your hand, which you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you. So what he's saying is, is that they to to count the first omer they literally have to take the grain put it together put the sickle grind it all th- this all has to be done right before they count the omer that's not how i read it at all what i read is that you need to take the the first of the harvest so i could take the i could that's yeah, the sheaves that get waved yeah so but what what i'm saying is is that you could you could it's, it's you not could, bread until until well, that's the other problem he has. That's the other problem that he has with this, with with his teaching, sure. is that he's assuming that uh, that for some reason you would make cakes with this. Uh, that's not it at all. Also the so mar- there's no the leaven. Day, pre- there's no the, leaven present anyway. The first day of unleavened bread can't be uh, made from the new harvest because the Omer has, you haven't 
waived the sheaf offering yet. So the, the matzah for the beginning of unleavened bread has to be from grain from a, a prior year. Well, he would agree with you on that because he's saying that the sheaf, the, that you, what he's saying is, is that you don't, you don't start doing that until after the, the Sabbath of the, the final Sabbath of yeah. unleavened bread. That's, that's this craziness. We, we know that in the first century, yeah, we, Yeshua, you know, one thing with the Pharisees is he's going to, he's not arguing with their calendar. Right, he's not he's not disputing the Pharisees on on the merits of their calendar, um, and I think and, it se- and it seems like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Well, I don't know. Uh, it seems like the Sadducees and the Pharisees must have done something together when it comes to Shavuot, right? Yeah. Well, but the the later you know, it, it does seem the the Sadducees also had a variant way of counting the Omer. It might not be exactly the same way as as Qumran. I don't remember. I, I've studied that out before but uh but yeah it's it is how you read this mimacharat hashabbat in leviticus 23 and um yeah uh, you know it, but we're gonna see this we're gonna see people pushing these other ways of interpreting things and and um, we know that acts chapter 2 we kind of get this divine sanction of shavuot when all these people from all across the, the diaspora, all these Jews from uh, are in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Shavuot. They were all counting somehow. Okay, well, hang on. Let's go back for just a second because the first clip that we listened to, this guy goes on and he, he tells us more about Hebrew, but I think that he's wrong here and I think I can prove it from the, the text that he's actually trying to exegete here. We have also been given some values to consider and get into the correct 50th day, which is the day of Shavuot or Pentecost. We are to count seven weeks as well as seven Sabbaths. Now, there are no seven holy days between first fruits and Shavuot, so this again is referring to the weekly holy Sabbath. Here, it is also the same word for Sabbath once again. This is straight from the Hebrew text. Some have made this word to translate as weeks, but that is no fault of the manuscript. It is the misunderstanding of the translator. Okay, I disagree with this because, first of all, if you look in BDAG, the Greek sabbaton certainly can be used as weeks, not as just the weekly Sabbath, first of all. Second of all, if you look at Leviticus 23.15, he says, you, you shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering. There shall be seven complete Sabbaths. What does it mean to have seven complete Sabbath? How can you, if it's talking about the weekly Sabbath, tell me how you can have an incomplete Sabbath. Yeah, and we have other places, pardon me, in Leviticus, we have in Leviticus 25, for the Jubilees, it's Sabbaths of years. In other words, Shabbat in Leviticus does not just mean the weekly Shabbat. It means seven it, it has taken a, because there's no such thing as the Sabbaths of years. What is the Sabbath of a year? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then I got one more. The idea clip. is that we understand that it has to do with cycles, seven, cycles of seven. Now there's another, there's another uh, uh, popular counting method within the Messianic movement. <clears throat> and that is to count the weekly Sabbath within 
the festival of unleavened bread. So let's say that you have a festival. Let's pretend that you have a festival Sabbath. The 15th of Nisan is on a Tuesday. That means that the next Saturday is going to be a weekly Shabbat. And then you're going to have another Sabbath after that for the end of the festival of unleavened bread. So what some people say is that you should, you should count after that weekly Sabbath is when you start counting the Omer. Now, if, if you believe that, then this year you're on with everyone who counts after the first festival of Shabbat, after the 15th of Nisan, because the 15th of Nisan was on a weekly Sabbath this year. So you started counting the day after the 15th of Nisan. Uh, so let's listen to somebody who uh, would agree with this. What is the Sabbath that precedes the wave sheaf offering of the barley harvest? So the high priest was to wave um, the offering on the morrow after the Sabbath. What Sabbath? Which Sabbath is the one that should precede or come before the wave sheaf offering? The view that I have adhered to for several years is that the Sabbath that precedes the day of the wave sheaf offering is a seventh day weekly Sabbath. And that seventh day weekly Sabbath will occur in the midst of the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, so I've tried, basically what I try to do is I try to get three representations, which is, now I'm in your show notes, for those who receive the show notes, uh, which you can subscribe to on the Robin Caleb Show page on trradio.com. Um, basically, I gave you uh, a link to my dad's article that's on Torah Resources called Counting the Omer, Omer an Inquiry into the Divergent Methods of the First Century Judaisms. Uh, it was updated in 2009. So basically, he's going to look at all this as well. He takes the view, as do I and Rob, and pretty much, I would say, the majority of well, I w- within traditional non-believing Judaism today, non-believing in Yeshua, that is, <clears throat> the standard Hillel calendar starts counting after the 15th of Nisan, which is a, a Shabbat. So that's when we start counting the Omer. That's the view that we take, which is the Pharisaic view. I think Yeshua took this view as well because it was the majority view. And we see Yeshua in the temple doing uh, what he needs to do uh, according to when the majority of people were there. He wasn't there on, by himself going, these people don't aren't, aren't uh, celebrating on the right day. Yeah, there's no, there's no dispute. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I take Yeshua, I, I try to follow what Yeshua did. I think that he took the majority, the majority rule on calendar issues. That being the case, I start counting after the 15th. Um, however, what I try to do with the, with the uh, sound clips is I was trying to give all, th- all three possible views. Start counting on the 15th of Nisan, start counting on the weekly Sabbath somewhere in between the Passover, or start counting on the last day of, uh, of the Festival of Unleavened Bread, after the last day of the Festival of Unleavened Bread. So interject here, Rob. What, I mean, why do you think that we should take the, the – why do you start counting on the 15th of Nisan? Because I, I think that's the way Yeshua endorsed. And I think that when we have Shavuot in Acts chapter 2, I think that was also according to the Pharisaic reckoning. And that's when the Ruach HaKodesh is given. We have Pharisees that become believers at that point. We don't, I don't think we have any record of Sadducees becoming believers. 
the reason in the that book of Acts. I mean, I mean, I, I'm just looking at this kind of. You might think, well, that's circumstantial, but yeah, but it's like, you know, the the Pharisees are b- believing in Acts. There's there's it says a number of even priests believe. Okay, it, if you've got Pharisees and priests that are that hearts are united in Messiah, and then Luke is telling us a story, and he's telling us it was Shavuot and the Ruach Hakodesh was given. I'm going to say it was a Pharisaic counting. <laughs> There's no Sadducees there. I, I, the reason I think that the that uh, start, that we start counting after the 15th of Nisan is because of this verse, Leviticus 30, 30, uh, 20, I'm sorry, 23.15. Now, I take that when he says, when he, it switches here, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. So I take this to mean weeks because what is an incomplete Sabbath? So the only reason that he'd even have to tell you that there has to be seven complete weeks or seven complete Sabbaths is because, I mean, obviously, if you start counting after the weekly Sabbath, then it's obvious that that it would be... Seven complete, it would be seven Sabbaths, right? Because that's how many 50 would be. So why does he have to specify? And then he says, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Once again, I take this as weeks. Because why? Of course, 50 days would be after the seventh Sabbath, right? So I think that I think that what he the, the reason that he's specifying there shall be seven complete sabbaths what that means is that there shall be seven complete weeks. And the only reason he'd have to tell you that is be, is if it wasn't on a weekly Shabbat. If it was on a weekly Shabbat then obviously there's going to be seven sabbaths. There's no problem. Why would you I mean why why is he specifying and what in the world does complete sabbaths mean? If it wasn't complete Sabbaths, if it wasn't complete weeks, okay, do you understand? Am I making any sense here? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I I think we're on the same page. Oh, we are on the same page. I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make, make people understand who are listening, what, why, where I'm coming from, that this idea that, that there's 50 or that there's seven complete Sabbaths, the only reason that he'd have to say complete sabbaths is if it, it was talking about weeks and right. and it would only it would only make sense if the counting was not necessarily on a weekly shabbat anyway all right yeah and, and deuteronomy 16 uses the word shavuot sevens weeks instead of shabbatot so the deuteronomy parallel uses the words weeks so we know that they're that it's weeks we know that it's talking about cycles of seven, seven sevens. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, Walta, Walta in our, <laughs> in, our, uh, in our chat room, nice name, Walta, quotes uh, Josephus Antiquities who uh, explains that the counting starts uh, according to what the Pharisee calendar is. So we... We have sources from the first century that uh, help us to see clearly where Yeshua and the apostles would have situated themselves, and we do well to situate ourselves uh, in the same in the same position. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm right. Of course, I'm right. <laughs> uh, lie. What's his, What's the one about lie? The George Costanza. Do you have it's, that? Oh. Yeah, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> uh, I do. I have it right here. Just remember, 
It's not a lie. If you believe it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like we've, this seem, you know, honestly, we've been going now for over an hour. Uh, but it seems like a very short show to me. I think it's because normally we've been going for what? We've been going for like an hour and a half on a regular day. So this feels like a very short, uh, a very short show. Anything else to say there, Rob? Well, okay. I'm back to, back to the be nice. Yeah. I want to know what. what, I, what I, you know what I want to know about that, that Rob? be politically correct? Is you, know, it like, you, you know what I want to know about that? How are we not being nice? I don't understand how. Okay, look. I haven't put down Jewish voice as a ministry. I haven't put down Dr. Michael Brown as a as a, a ministry or, you know, or his radio show as a ministry. And I haven't put down Itzhak Shapira as a ministry, except for the fact that he's teaching a false gospel, which I think the, the scriptures— I think we've tried to give the guy the benefit—these people, we've given them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. We're not— <clears throat> So I mean, look, if Jewish voice takes offense to the fact that we called them out on endorsing what we call what we think is a false gospel, respond to it. Tell us how that's not true. And it, the same goes for Dr. Michael Brown. If you really think that that uh we're wrong, and look, Dr. Brown has been on this show before. I'm not saying that I dislike, you know, I I appreciate what Dr. Brown is doing. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he's he has a very very wide audience. Talk about being a a, a large voice uh, in the you know for believers to the unbelieving world. So I I certainly respect what Doctor Brown is doing. However, <clears throat> call a spade a spade. The guy endorses a book that clearly is teaching a false gospel, in my opinion. Now, if if Itzhak Shapiro would like to say that it's not a false gospel, respond. Tell us how it's not a false gospel. It's actually pure rejects sola scriptura. He believes that the, that there's rabbinic authority, that there's rabbinic uh, that, that that God has given the rabbis some form of authority, and therefore their their writings have divine authority. Okay, so obviously we're coming at things a bit differently, but there's been no attempt to to try to defend any theological points at all. That's concerning. What 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 does this what does this tell us about the status of of the messianic like internet world right well, now? It, well, it tells it tells me first of all that Itzhak Shapira doesn't doesn't have an argument against what we're saying. Theologically, he cannot respond. That's number one. Number two, Jewish Voice. I don't know if they're just trying to, uh, you know, I don't know if I don't know if Jewish Voice is just trying to be ecumenical or what. I haven't heard from Bernus at all. And he's the guy who was really, you know, he's the guy who was really uh, uh, patting, uh, you know, Shapiro on the back and saying how wonderful this book was. Now, I, to, now, compl- true honesty here. I don't know what uh, Ber- what Bernus, uh, what his uh, theological background is. So he might be he might be trained theologically. I, I don't know, uh, but it's hard for me to believe that someone now, Doctor Brown is trained theologically. He's trained well theologically uh, in terms of – now, I disagree with him, obviously, but he's trained – you know, where did he go? New York U? NYU, which NYU, is a, yeah. a prestigious uh, – they have a very prestigious Hebrew and Jewish studies uh, department. 
very, so, very prestigious. So, so what I, so what I can assume about what I, what I have to assume about Dr. Brown is one of two things. A, he either did, has not tried studying the rabbinic literature and who and what Metatron is. That's number one. Or uh, he has completely misunderstood what's going on and just doesn't, you know, he hasn't realized. That's the only way that I can, uh, in my own mind, uh, like try to wrap my head around Dr. Brown backing all this. Burnus, on the other hand, I don't know if he's theologically, uh, if he's theologically trained and therefore he might not, you know, he might not quite understand what, what Shapiro is saying. I, one thing I don't believe is that is that uh, Dr. Brown and Burnus are both saying that they agree that Yeshua is Metatron. I think that the, I think that they that's not what they're saying. I think that they just haven't realized that the implications of what Shapira is saying. Shapira, on the other hand, is clearly saying that Yeshua and Metatron are one and the same. Well, and there's the, just the anachronisms, the the use of these authentic Jewish tools, I'm using the quote marks here, or, or you, without which you can't understand who Yeshua is or you won't discover the true Messiah. I'm surprised that those claims made it, made it through Dr. Brown's filter. That was a shock to me. Um, it's like he's, it, it's, he must, I, my only way to think of it is, that, is to keep uh, keep the view that Dr. Brown didn't actually take time to carefully read the book. He might, you know, maybe read a couple pages and then and did the interview. Well, the question, you know, back to the whole nice thing, why do we need to be nice? How, and, and how would being, uh, how would it, how, what would it look like if we were nicer? I mean, any ideas of what it would look like if we were nicer about it, Rob? Does that mean back down from what we're saying? Or I went back this morning and read the reread my review that was posted, and I was like, okay, you know, is there anywhere in here? Oh, they don't care about the review though. They, yeah, that's not what that's, they. That's not what they're right, saying right. is that's being, not what, being mean. That's not what they're interacting they're, with. You know, Shapiro is very upset that we would say that a Jewish voice is, has done something wrong. But in my mind, they get on air and they say that this book is great. Let's send you a. We'll send you a copy if you send, if you donate forty dollars or more. So to me, I, I mean, why why were we unnice to Jewish voice? How how is that unnice? They're yeah, the ones. You, they're the ones who backed who backed Shapira and his and his book, and so did Doctor Brown. And I would, I, I, to me, I would say the same to anyone who who got on, on, uh, you know, the same thing. Now I didn't go back and and uh, Sid Roth. I mean, come on, Sid Roth. I think everyone kind of knows that Sid Roth. His his whole show is about trying to find stuff that's not normal. You know what I mean. He's got some really weird stuff on there. He's got guys who believe in, you know, they. anyway. So, I mean, I didn't even pull the stuff on Sid Roth, but, you know, I don't see Sid Roth necessarily as the, the messianic whatever. I see him more as entertaining conspiracy theory uh, things a lot of the time. And he's had, I mean, he's straight up had heretics on his show. So, you know. That's I guess that's in a different category to me. Whereas someone like Jewish Voice, you know, their whole thing is that they're trying to put out 
uh, stuff to the Messianic world that is, you know, it seems like they're trying to, they even say that they're trying to promote Yeshua as the true Messiah. So it, it goes against that mission statement, essentially, to uh, to say that, and then push a book that says that Metatron and Yeshua are one and the same. But I would say anybody who's pushing a, you know, pushing this book seems to, uh, I don't know, seem, seems to either be missing something or whatever. But I'm, once again, it's not about being nice. I, I don't understand how we've been not nice to, to Jewish Voice or to Dr. Michael Brown. Some, some people would consider that a, a kind correction, a kindness. <clears throat> some consider correction a kindness. As a matter of fact, in some schools, when you go to college and you, you take classes, you take classes in a, a rigorous um, method, you have to study and you have to you do an exam or you write a, a term paper, you actually seek correction from your instructors instructors. If you're doing something that is <laughs> is not going to uh, fit the bill in the method of the field that you're you're studying and you're wanting to advance in and to to grow in, in competency and skill it is an uh, the the unkindness is to not correct a person who needs it right so and that's back to the proverbs you know uh, correct a wise man he will love you for it well, look, here's the other thing is that I went through uh, Itzhak Shapiro's entire post looking at every single comment and the responses to every comment that had been posted there. I read every single one of them. There was not one person who made a theological argument. Mm. Everybody was just basically saying, <clears throat> now, of course, there was one person who talked about how we are Calvinists and how we, uh, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, and self-proclaimed, as if that was a bad thing, and how also uh, we say that uh, reading uh, rabbinic literature back into the first century is anachronistic. So, which I True. all thought, yeah, I, I thought those were all good things this person was putting us down for it. But once again, there was no argument against what, against those things. So I went through, but... So is that like, is that like, uh, is there a, a realm of conversation where, oh, they're Calvinists, so therefore that's like a bad word. They're a bleep, and they say you can you can't do bleep with the rabbinic literature. <laughs> like those are marks against us. I guess I, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, like yeah, I I agree. But the point is, is that even then there was no theological like, well that's wrong because, you know. So once again, I guess what I'm saying is that there's no theological. That nobody's trying to have a theological conversation on in the in you know when it comes to. Not, not Shapira, not Yehezkel, not anyone is trying to have a theological conversation about this. What they're trying to do is just smear. And now they're saying that I'm smearing. I, once again, I, I'm sure that Shapira, his intentions a, are even good. Do they have a quote of you smearing? No. No, of course not. So they're not citing the sources. They're not citing any... No, and I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that that's Christopher. That would fit. I'm, I'm, I'm pre I'm pretty Shapira shows in his book, Kosher Pig, is not, not doing a good job of citing his sources. 
Well, I, I'm pretty sure that that comment, that specific comment about me slandering Shapiro was was uh, Christopher under a, a fake profile, mm. which we've yeah we've talked about that before. Uh, so anyway, um, if you think I'm not being nice, okay, uh, show me theologically where I'm where I'm wrong. I'm more than willing to listen and to be open to correction. Uh, I I'm willing to listen, but there has been no theological uh, conversation whatsoever when it comes to this stuff. Okay, next week, uh, Rob is gone. Rob will not be with us next week. Uh, so I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll bring, who knows, maybe I'll bring Michael on. Um, I don't know. Maybe, cool. may, maybe, maybe Michael can clear up for me how I'm being unkind. Anyway, what would really be nice is if our listeners helped us out, sent in some, uh, some topics that you want to hear about. Because uh, even though I try to come up with topics every week for this show, it's not quite as easy as people might think uh it does take some preparation and i run sometimes out of, topics present themselves <laughs> yes i i run out of ideas though so uh if you have an idea for the show please send your ideas to chag at torresource.com chag that's c-h-e-g-g at torresource.com um yeah uh, we're willing to uh entertain pretty much just about anything you'll send us uh, but we sure do appreciate when people send us topics for all that kind of stuff. Anyway, somebody already says prophecy. Oy vey. Okay, send specifics. It's got to be more specific. Um, anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Uh, we uh, Once again, you know, we're, we're open to hear what people have to say. If you disagree with us, send us an email. We're more than willing to hear that kind of stuff. You know, all Rob and I are trying to do is defend and uphold what we believe is the gospel and to honor uh, one person. That is our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah.